Welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. My name is H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto and chief quality officer for the Baptist system. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, guys, today we have a treat. Uh, we have Dr. Michaela Kerasi on our podcast. Michaela is an assistant professor of management at the uh, Harvard School of Public Health. Uh, and today we're going to talk about teams, team dynamics, perception of teaming, and uh, it, it's, it's going to be a real treat. Uh, so, Michaela, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to uh, got to where you are today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. I, um, I'm an academic. Uh, like you said, I'm a professor in management at uh, the Harvard School of Public Health. And in doing that, I study teams and human beings as they engage with this fast-paced, complex, challenging, highly expertise-driven, highly interpersonal field that uh, we call healthcare. It's very fascinating. Do you want to hear the backstory of how I, why on earth sure. I ended up studying sure. this? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. so that was going to be my first question, so go ahead. <laughs> sure. So I, when, when I was fresh out of college, I thought maybe I want to go to medical school. I was interested in science. Um, I wanted to do something that mattered. And my first job, I delayed. I didn't go right into applying to med school. My first job I took was working in, in HIV AIDS from a public health standpoint, where I was mm -hmm. working hand in hand with doctors and nurses and patients, uh, but really as a fly on the wall, knew I didn't know anything and I was observing. And what I saw in those rooms early on, and this was an area of medicine, this was the early 2000s, right? This week, we finally had good drugs for HIV and we were trying to get them out to people well, right? Um, and so you, you could never imagine a room that had more people in it who were highly trained, experts in what they do, and there for the right reasons and really cared. And yet I kept observing these conversations kind of go off the rails or at least just not have the impact that they were intended to have. And I got fascinated by the human system behind the technical solutions we have. And that problem, that question of how can we bring to our teams and our organizations a more precise science, a more set of useful tools that people can use to team up together, that's been what I have dedicated the 20 years since that time to trying to, to, to at least give some evidence to and some insight to through my research. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation and, you know, one that we, most of us in medicine have, have probably had as well. Um, you talk about it in this paper that you write, the ambiguity of we, perceptions of teaming in dynamic environments and their implications, how, you know, team-based care is often, you know, comes up as a, as a, you know, uh, as a buzzword that uh, we try to implement. And so, you know, in that paper, I think you do a really good job of trying to actually put some some, you know, concrete definitions to what a team is. And, you know, we in healthcare can't even seem to agree about who is on the team. So can, can you talk a little bit about uh, about what you've observed there and um, and what a team looks like in healthcare and how it might be mm -hmm. different in other industries? Sure. So. We're at this moment where, you know, if I go and I do grand rounds at a health system, um, I, 
rarely encounter somebody who doesn't say they they want to team up with other people or that they like being part of a team. I, the idea of being on a team is now part of it's in the water in healthcare and people get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, some hospitals yeah. even call all their employees teammates, team members. Right? Exactly. Yeah, team members. Yeah, yeah. they're not exactly. employees. Yeah. yeah. And and so the benefit of that is that it means that we are kind of having this cultural shift towards embracing teamwork as part of the work, which everybody who works in this field kind of gets, right? Um, the, the problem with it is that if you scratch the surface of that, if you say, for example, you go into a health system and everybody is calling everybody teammates and that's the word you have to use, is that it um, obscures some of the meaning of what on earth are you talking about? You got it. Um, and so so this has been something I've been interested in for a long time. And um, and yet when I do research and when health systems collect data on their teams, everyone for years has still been going out and asking questions about your team and people bless all the people in healthcare that are filling out those surveys and answering those questions. Um, they answer it dutifully. But if you take what you just said about everybody in a health system, for example, being called a teammate, um, it makes you wonder, well, what on earth is that data reflecting? What are people talking about when they say something about their team? So that study, that one that you, you mentioned, Jake, is that we, we set out to actually study that directly. And we went into a bunch of um, these were medical groups and we asked people about who they perceived as part of their team. And what we found were very much, I think, uh, accords with uh, some of the hypotheses, uh, the hypotheses that are underneath what you have been saying, which is that people answer wildly differently when you ask them that question. Uh, even two physicians in the same medical group ask the same question in the same way will give you a wildly different answer. There is huge variance. And um, there are two implications from that. One is a kind of measurement. A measurement question. Um, and then the other one is, does it matter? Does it matter for anything we care about in delivering healthcare? Are these figments of people's imaginations? Do they have any uh, import for care quality, for people's satisfaction at work? And, and we find that that they do. Um, you, you know, you, you, I, have, I have a question for you. And, and you sure. talked about how the, the, the definition you know, from person to person in the mm -hmm. same organization of what a team is varies. But in, in your research, you know, we, we have approximately 18,000 employees in this organization, and we could all say that we're all part of the same team. Mm -hmm. But but when it comes to delivering health care, you know, how how wide or how uh, narrow should that net be cast to consider, mm -hmm. OK, who who actually makes up the team mm -hmm. when it comes to del delivering the health, the specific health care to this person. Yeah. Does that question make sense? It does. It does. And I think I think this idea of we are all on the same team is OK if if we can also say something more complex, which is this idea that people in healthcare are really part of multi team systems. And that's the word in organizational um, research that we use to describe these kinds of complex systems where it's not. I, and I think uh, General McChrystal is famous for saying, I don't know if he actually coined this, but the idea of a, a teams of teams. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the casual way of describing a multi-team system. And that's really the reality that we're getting at. Right. One clinician isn't on, especially if you take a patient centered care team uh, seriously as the, the unit of care delivery, then, you know, 
one clinician isn't on one team throughout the day, far from it. And they're not only on their care teams that shifts over the day and the weeks, but they're also on all the other teams that you might be part of. You might be on a quality improvement team or a, you know, a management team. Um, and that's the reality that people are working in. And so when we think about what kind of unit, where do we want people to be thinking about when they're thinking about their teams is I think we want to give people a language for characterizing what kinds of teams they're on and how where the bounds are and particularly where the core of the activity is. And then a set of peripheral relationships, which we can think of as more as teaming the verb, right? The things that you're doing with the broader periphery, um, but that it doesn't necessarily take the same kind of input of energy as you would with a core set of people that you're interacting really intensively with day in and day out. And that yeah. kind of precision is really, I think, going to set people free to not exhaust themselves in doing all of this teamwork all day. Yeah. So, I mean, your paper, you focused on the ambulatory setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, you know, I, I have an ambulatory clinic or I, I have in the past. That setting is is much simpler and mm-hmm. I, I can more easily define what I would consider the core team of, you know, maybe the physician, the nurse, the, the front desk scheduler. Um, maybe the the lab tech we have, maybe the ra- radiation tech we have in the clinic as as kind of my core team that I interact with multiple times a day when I'm in clinic. But on the inpatient side, it just gets exponentially more complex. I for every patient I have, they're on a different unit. Mm-hmm. I will not use the same nurse. There will be you know numerous other consultants and everybody else that are those patients throughout the day um and you know in residency was this this team-based care was a very hot topic and but it just nobody could ever seem to make it work because you were never with the same core team Mm -hmm. where you could actually learn from each other and improve with each other and and get some of those you know where i can finish each other's sentences like you might be able to do with uh, Mm -hmm. you know a, a team outside of medicine um, have you done any uh, specific work looking at the inpatient side in team-based care? You know, is is it even possible to do? Mm. So it's a great question, Jake, and your your experience really uh, resonates with what the research on teams has told us for years. I mean, this area of research has been active for about 40 years, and um, what we know is that having more stable teams where people can develop familiarity over time is beneficial for outcomes, right? Like if you can have the luxury of getting to know people such that you can finish their sentences, by all means do it. But in many healthcare environments, it's just not possible. Like the inpatient setting, right? It's because of the um, increasing complexity of medicine today, where we have subspecialties of subspecialties, right? The idea Mm -hmm. that you will have a small number of people that are needed for complex patient care, it's just not like that ship has sailed for many, uh, for many indications, right? Um, And so then the question becomes, how do we take a teaming mindset, uh, knowing that you still need to be able to team up across those boundaries. In fact, it's probably even more important in this kind of dynamic setting than ever before. But how do you take that and make it work for a really dynamic setting where it's not the same set of people, or maybe it's shifting, overlapping sets that move throughout the day? Um, so on that, I think there are two there are two pieces to be thinking about. 
Number one is um, getting much more deliberate and intentional about the in the moment behaviors and scaffolding that can help people to team up more rapidly and share information quickly, even when they don't have the luxury of that longstanding relationship. Mm-hmm. And that requires much more intentionality about um, rapid debriefs and learning and climates that can set the tone for what's expected about, you know, I, I talk a lot about psychological safety, but and that's really about what's expected for if you can ask a question, if you have one, admit a mistake, ask for help, right? Climates like that, that you can then transport in those micro teams, team to team to team, that, that, that you can, even if you don't know those people well, the climate is strong enough that you know, this is what the expected norms will be here about how we team up together and how we work together and share information. And that we can intervene on and we're developing um, a better sense every day as we do research on this about how can you actually be intentional rather than leaving that up to chance. Yeah. Um, Michaela, we're, we're in, you know, the World Series is being played right now. So you think I, I think about a baseball team and, you know, on, on that baseball team, every every player out on that field is playing a specific position that's different mm-hmm. from another position mm-hmm. and they know exactly what their role is they know in every situation if there's a guy on first and third they know exactly what's gonna what they're gonna do if that ball comes to them in healthcare on our teams how important is a uh, is it for us oh and also uh, within that team there's a captain mm-hmm. you know and that captain may be a captain out on the field or it could be it could be the manager in the dugout but how important if our teams are going to function well to to have those roles explicitly defined, know who the team leader is, because a a lot of times team dysfunction, you know, you have team dysfunction when people don't really know what they're supposed to do or they don't know what role they play on the team. Yeah, that that, I think that's right. And I um, I'm glad you explained it for me, because anytime I hear sports reference coming up, I get nervous that I'm going to have no idea what's going on. I am from Boston, but uh, I just don't talk about baseball like what. Um, <laughs> so, But I, I think I think that you're, what you're saying is spot on, which is uh, role clarity is absolutely essential, especially in a field like healthcare. What you want, right, is for roles to be able to swap out. So in this kind of multi-team system where people are switching, you know, you want to be able to know that the cardiologist is going to do what a cardiologist does and a nurse is going to do what a nurse does. and I would I would just I would double down on what you say to say it's not only about role clarity for the individuals filling the role to know what it is that they need to to do and how. But and we actually have a study that's about to come out, fingers crossed um, on this. But but we also find that it's about um, in these complex systems, getting clarity on the roles that other people are filling so you can know on what you should go to rely on them for. Um and we find that when people are in a climate where they're jointly problem solving together as issues come up, that part of the the way that that problem solving has an impact on their outcomes is through um, helping people gain insight into what the other expertise that others have is so that they can then draw on it more effectively. Yeah, I, I think that was a good point about knowing what the other person's role is. We're all, you know, so as part of our team, you know, a pharmacy, we are all trained in silos. We have zero interaction with each other typically. 
until the day we're thrown into patient care. So that would be like, (laughs) sorry to continue the sports reference, but uh, (laughs) a pitcher and a catcher and second baseman all practicing in their own silos and then being thrown in the game together and expected to play well. And so it, it does take you know, especially in residency, I, I don't know what the scope of a nurse is until um, I've done it for a few years and I've gotten a little bit f- more familiar. And then you have you have a seasoned nurse versus a new nurse and, and what they can do versus what somebody else can do. And so it it is challenging. You know, one of the things that we have tried to do or tried to do at some organizations that I've been in was have um maybe the nurse, the physicians, and the pharmacists all round together as a group. Mm-hmm. And so go see the patient together. Um, but that that goes back to that intentionality that you mentioned and how difficult it is just to logistically align those schedules. Um, you may be able to do it 20% of the time, but it's not going to happen 100% of the time. But, you know, what are your thoughts, uh, I guess, going back to how we're trained in silos and how that affects the team dynamics? Yeah. This, I think, is a huge issue um, that people are making progress on. And I believe I believe strongly that we'll look different and feel different, I hope, in five or 10 years from from now. Um, It's one of the real challenges in healthcare organizations and medicine in particular is that people you kind of get into it thinking this is a I have to master my expertise. And then just this experience that you're having, we hear all the time you get into it the job day one and you realize it's not just about your expertise, but it's about how do you bridge and team up across the expertise that's present. And we in medicine and healthcare do an amazing job at teaching your own expertise and we do very little on how do you bridge effectively. Um, And maybe in medicine of 30 years ago, that was probably never ideal, but you could get by on it in a huge health system where people are split across geographies, where there's multiple roles present and people are shifting day in and day out in a multi-team system. Like that's just not enough to cut it, right? People have to be able to team up and bridge expertise areas. You can't wait five years until they've spent all the time learning it on their own. Like, can we actually just shorten that process and shorten that learning curve through more intentionality? Something like a, you know, rounding together or a, a multi-tiered huddle process. Um, even if you don't do it 100% of the time because it plays that function of perspective taking, it gives it puts people in one another's shoes, is, yeah. is one nice process to get people up that learning curve a little bit faster than they might otherwise if left to their own devices. Yeah, in, in med school, we, we had one class that we took with our pharmacy group. So we combined mm-hmm. classes and mm-hmm. took, it, it was like medical ethics or something like that, but then we took one class together and that was our attempt to bridge the gap. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was, I guess, a start. Um, and, and I think we may have been the first or second year that they had, they had tried yeah. it. But that and, um, that sort of thing, I think, can help at least just make you familiar with the other person, the other group, even if you don't end up working with them because you go work at different hospitals, you know the role a little bit better. The role. Yeah. Michaela, don't I, 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 no, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I, please. Well, I was just going to say, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, the evolution of teams in medicine, you know, I'm I'm much, 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 much older than Jake. And so I trained, you know, when I just we moisturize, you know, yeah, <laughs> you have great skin when uh, when we were still working on paper. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it was really back then it was a total hierarchy. 
I mean, it was top down. You know, if I'm the medical student, you just be quiet. Don't say a word. Yes, sir. And do exactly what you're told. Um, you know, now it, it, the, the teams are different. But but tell me, let's talk about team dynamics when even today there are times when there may be situations where there there needs to be command and control. You know, when I'm in the operating room and a true emergency is going on, I, I don't need I may not need a tech sitting there contemplating and, and wanting to discuss, you know, I know I need you to do this and I need you to do that right now where where there are other times, you know, the dynamic changes. And, and I even think about have you ever looked at the military? You know, you know, there are certain like in the a Marine rifle squad. I mean, that's total command and control. But if when you get into the special forces, the you know, the, the boundary between the the officers and the enlisted folks are a little bit grayer. Have you ever looked at that? Um, so so that's a bunch of questions I think, there. I know. I, think, I hope I didn't yeah. confuse you. No, I, I I know a little bit more about the military than I know about sports. So that's a <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, but I will say I that hierarchy gets in some ways a bad rap and unfairly so in healthcare. Right. Uh, we when we say the word hierarchy in healthcare, the alarm bells immediately go sure. up. Of, that's a bad thing. Right. And we should. Yeah, that's to- kind of what I was getting at. Is, is, is there a but, time for strict hierarchy? There is a time there. So the function of hierarchy in bureaucracies is to help coordinate. And it is especially important. It's an efficient way to do that. Right. And it's an especially important when there is some sort of emergent problem, a crisis uh, where you have to be able to buckle down and get the job done. You have to be able to execute faithfully under great time pressure. And in that moment, a hierarchy can be incredibly important. Um, the, The problem with hierarchy and the thing that does require more attention is to figure out um, uh, you do not want a calcified hierarchy, right? Where Mm. just by nature of having a title, it means you're in charge of all things at all times and voices from other areas don't reach the light of day because of the hierarchy, the hierarchy being in the driver's seat. And that does happen in healthcare. We still study it. We still see it. Absolutely happens. but that's not to say that we should throw hierarchy out the window. What, what, what I think a, a different way of thinking about it is to look for opportunities to have a more dynamic hierarchy where the person that has the expertise and the knowledge that is relevant for the task at hand is given the opportunity to step up and lead in that moment. And in that world, leadership is really much less about a title that then you get to hold on to and wield power with. It's much more about a set of behaviors and opportunities that people have to contribute to pushing the work forward. And in different crises, that may be a different person. Um, In different moments of work, it may be a different person. And that, I think, the kind of idea of driving to dynamic hierarchies where people are shifting depending on the task, it might be a powerful alternative to think about. Sure. Go ahead, Jack. I was going to ask about a per, the patient's perception of teams in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in Epic, that's our EHR that we use, um, a patient can actually see their care team. And so it'll mm-hmm. list all of the, the doctors, the nurses who have, you know, interacted with them in the chart uh, as their team, mm-hmm. even though some of those team members may not have even spoken to each other and they only communicate through, you know, documentation in in the record. Uh, What have you found from, I guess, from a patient's perspective, do some places do this better than others? 
So I think this is a really exciting forefront of new research on teams and healthcare is um, how do patients perceive the care team and what can we what can we do to both uh, make that clearer, make it clearer to them? What is the intervention? You can even think about showing, you know, I just, um, I actually just switched primary care groups and um, as a patient and my old primary care, care group did not even show, you couldn't even see who was involved in your care and your medical record. It was like, here's your doctor who's been attributed, but whether or not I even saw them, it was just kind of all obscure. And now mm-hmm. my new group, I, I can see it's pictures of all their faces. It sort of surrounds me in a little circle. Um, very different. Um, I think there is great opportunity in having more research around just if you show a patient that or not, right? That's the experiment. Does it change what their perception is of the of the care team, or 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 does it not matter because it's too loose of an association to be meaningful to them? I don't think we yeah. have the answer on that yet. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, actually a, a, a big project I worked on when I was in in fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, my capstone project was a, an app I developed for patients that would pull in those care team members and their pictures and their specialties. And then actually explain the different terms for the patient, because most patients don't know what an attending is or resident, an intern or, you know, nephrology even. <laughs> you know, they don't even know that means. What does that mean, kidneys. Jake? I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, even our surgeons you know, have trouble with, with some of those. But I think there's a huge gap there between. You know what? What we think a patient understands when we say "I'm your attending" mm-hmm. versus what the patient actually hears. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I uh, I practiced for almost 25 years in a very in a small hospital, and uh, you know, there were a lot of times when I had to uh, transfer patients up here to Memphis, and you know, I would say, "Listen, yeah, I said it's going to be different up there. You're going to have a whole huge team." of people, you know, you're going to have residents, you're going to have, you know, specialists and whatnot. I say, you know, but I would say they're all working together and they're, you know, the purpose is they're working together to try to get you better. I said, it's going to be different. But um, so I, I do think, you know, it is important to, to for the patients to know who is on the team that that's uh, helping take care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, to, and then to nest it with some anchor relationships for them as well. Um, because one of the things we have studied, and um, not specifically in this in this area, but in in related areas, looking at integrated care and patients' perceptions of how integrated their care is, is that you know when you stick patients patients, um, there is something that is is um, helpful to patients to be in smaller groups, right? Smaller groups where they're receiving care, um, where you know you have a deep relationship with at least one person, you have a sense of continuity there. Um, And the question, as we put them into bigger systems, which often is advantageous for the technical expertise that they need for whatever their condition is, but are there elements of that, um, that those anchor relationships that we can recreate in bigger systems so that while they have purview into the broader team, they still feel like they have a core set that they know they can rely on. Yeah, and that that core set, previously when a patient was hospitalized, their primary care physician would actually be the attending physician that would come by and manage their care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hospitalist movement has really upended that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I still had some patients ask if their primary care doc will come by and you'll have to say no. Um, but all the, there's a handful that are still out there practicing that will will admit their own patients. But for the most part, that's that's the exception and not the norm. 
Um, but I think that has been a huge change in healthcare that has not probably been studied enough um, as how that has affected. I, I don't know what, but you know, just it's especially just the the team dynamic um, of of what the patient felt as their core team is is much different now than it probably used to be. But Michaela, you know, just just looking into the future from <clears throat> from what you know and your research, mm-hmm. what what do we need to do in healthcare to improve our teams so that we so that we can work work better together efficiently and 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 ultimately you know take the best care of our patients what what do you think you know the big rocks that we need to to uh, tackle well i think it's i think it's time and I, and i think this is from what i observe it has already begun um but for the kind of kind of shift in intentionality around teams that we saw around quality improvement about 10 years ago. Um, And even thinking about teams and teamwork and these interpersonal relationships as something that you could um, even, I don't know what we would call it, but some sort of PDSA cycle for teams, right? Can Mm -hmm. we get the kind of process discipline that we have around quality and bring it to teams and collect data on our teams that is more accurate and more actionable and encourage teams to test out new processes for rapid debriefs or appointing temporary leaders, huddles, whatever it might be, but actually have a more dynamic system of testing out new approaches to teamwork, see what works, see what kinds of behaviors you can prompt, which ones are a waste of time because you know, clinicians already have enough on their plates. We don't want to be doing a bunch of extra processes, but figuring out through a rapid experimentation framework um, how we can set up teams to best to best deliver patient care and to also make this sustainable and bearable for providers who are incredibly busy right now. I mean, it, I, at levels that we've, at least in my research, not seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know we're running close on time, Michaela, and so we'll, we'll kind of wrap up, but... Okay. You know, one of the issues you know, in medicine is that we spend an incredible amount of time documenting uh, one of the things that, and actually we use that documentation to communicate with each other on the different specialties, or nursing, physicians, we all spend, we, we see the patient, we all go and chart independently in, in the node. Uh, I think we could probably gain some efficiencies if instead of five different nodes, we had one team summary note for the day. Um, mm. you know, there's, there's lots of different ways I think that we, we could incorporate teams and reduce some of the, the administrative burden that we have at the same time, maybe so it wouldn't be an added thing. Cause I know just shortening, shortening the amount of, of time to communicate just saves a bunch of time as well. Yeah. And, and before we wrap, I do, I do have a question and it, it's kind of a funny question, but, but in all, but I'm also serious about it is. You know, these these team building exercises that that companies send their teams on, they go to what we call a cope course or, you know, an obstacle course or they go on a scavenger hunt. And you, you know what I'm talking about. Are those effective? And, and they work because, you know, organizations pay a lot of money uh, for those things. Just wanted your opinion. Yeah, it's really hard to derive value from those when the people that are engaged in your teams are shifting day in and day out, right? What is what is even the coherent entity that you would send for sure. care teams when they're when they're shifting? Um, 
for for this kind of work, especially for people who are busy, there is a lot of low hanging fruit and engaging the the team improvements as part of the clinical workflow, right? To embed it in what you're doing day in and day out so that it is not three days of your time, it is five minutes, but you're doing it faithfully, you know, every week or at the end of every day, or it's something about, you know, how you debrief a team note if you can get one of those. Embedding it in the workflow can free people up to spend the time with doing what they want to do um, when they have a free moment. Um, so it's it's trying to move, I mean, Go ahead. You know what I'm even thinking is that you know we 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 send out employee engagement surveys every year, sometimes a couple of times a year, and maybe maybe trying to uh, incorporate some some specific questions uh, related to uh, teams and 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 their their perception of a team and and you know the team that they're on, how well do they think it functions, and give them opportunity to provide comments. I think that can be really valuable as well. I think that's spot on, and I think that's where this field will ultimately head, um, and in a way that doesn't take six months to get you the data back, but um, you know can put can put the information immediately back in the in the pockets of leaders and teams to say how are how are we doing today versus how were you doing last week, and let's make micro adjustments, right? Like to to, to make it much yeah. more of a kind of continuous improvement framework for it than something of evaluating teams and using it for promotions two years after the fact. Sure. Well, Michaela, this has been a great conversation and uh, very, uh, very interesting, very stimulating. And and on behalf of Baptist, uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, being on our podcast. We hope that you would consider coming back uh, at a later time when, when some more of your research comes out. Thanks. I enjoyed this. Thanks so much.